Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. May we, like Jacob, be touched and changed by you today. Amen. Now, I wonder what you think of when you think of God. What image springs to mind? Is it of an old, gray, bearded man up in the sky, up in the heavens? Maybe a father, very approachable. Or maybe a stern judge. Or is God perhaps not describable in those terms at all? Maybe it's his character that we should look to. Is he remote? Or is he close, a God that touches us? Is he good? Is he looking at us, waiting to find fault? Or is he eager to encourage? Is he a loving God? Or is he, like the judge, indifferent? Now, the first time I prayed, I wasn't a Christian, and my aunt was seriously ill. And I bargained with God. I didn't even believe in God, and yet I was trying to do a deal with him. I tried to persuade him to change things. I even offered him myself. I don't know why I did that. Um, I thought maybe that God needed to get something out of the deal. But what kind of God did I think that I was talking to? That was my first experience of wrestling with God. And I came away changed, although I probably didn't realize it at the time, only when I look back. Luke looks at who God is and how we relate to him in this parable. The disciples are at a point where they've got a really difficult time coming up ahead. They haven't been following Jesus that long, comparatively, and they're going to see him suffer, they're going to see him die, and they will be persecuted. They'll feel like they've been abandoned. Jesus had only just been talking to them about the kingdom of God. In chapter 17, the Pharisees had been asking, when is the kingdom coming to, going to come? And what he said is it had started among them already. And it was so close they could just reach out and grasp it. But will they be able to keep sight of that and hang on when things get tough? They would need to pray. I prayed when I didn't even know who God was and... Apparently, 50% of people in this country say that they pray. However little we understand of who God is. And yet, we pray. We have a need to pray. But we don't always persist in prayer. Sometimes, our heart is not really in it. The justice in this world can be just as fickle. It depends on many things knowing where to go, access to the right person. Have you got the right lawyer? Have you got enough money? It's very difficult to get justice when you're poor. But this widow had to go to an unjust judge for her legal protection. What about us? When we go to God, do we go to him because we trust that he is good? Or do we go to him with perhaps a nagging doubt that he's too busy? Or that he might be just like the judge in the story? an unjust judge who doesn't really care about people. Some of our experiences of people who protect us can be rather mixed. I grew up overseas, and over there, 
the policemen all had huge, well, I called them machine guns, and Dave said no, they were assault rifles, but the idea was the same. Um, not very approachable, not like your English Bobby. And yet the soldiers were on national service, so my experience of a soldier was my friendly next-door neighbor who let me walk his army Alsatian, much to my and my sister's delight, but my parents weren't quite so impressed. And he kept a weapon at home, something I don't think we realized at the time, or perhaps they would have been even more concerned. So my experience was that I'd be more likely to walk up to a soldier for help than I would to walk up to a policeman. And it was an armed border guard who drove me right across the city in his car when I walked across the border with a bleeding foot. Don't ask me about that one. It was complicated. But contrast that to if you're one of the Syrian refugees approaching a border, you would not expect the same service. So our experiences affect how we think of God. And in the Lord's Prayer, we're told that God is our Father. He told us to start our Father in heaven. But again, what's our image of a father? Some of us have had very good fathers. Some of us have not had such a good experience. And we can project that experience onto God. So back to our story. When we think of a judge, how do we think? Do we think that the judge is there to grant us justice like that widow was shouting for? Or are they looking to send us to jail? Are they for us or against us? The judge in the parable is not described in a good light at all. He's the opposite of what a judge should be. And in fact, he's been put there in this story to show that he is the complete opposite of God. And we need to remember that when we look at him. When some of the first judges were appointed in Israel, this is what they were told. Consider carefully what you do, because you're not just judging for men, but for the Lord, who is with you whenever you give a verdict. Think about that for a moment. Whenever justice is involved, God is there right in the middle of it. Now let the fear of the Lord be on you. No wonder if God is a God of justice. But that wasn't the case with this judge at all. We're told by his own words that he didn't fear the Lord. You wonder why he was a judge at all. Maybe it was for the bribes or a position that he could get. We immediately know that he's a villain. He's the arch-villain. If he was in a film, he'd be grim, he'd have a skull down his face, he'd be cloaked. And it's a bit like pantomime figures. We know that we're supposed to cheer on the widow and we're supposed to boo heartily when the judge comes on. But the widow only has this judge. We're on her side. She's very vulnerable. Widows in, in Jewish times were extremely vulnerable. But she surprises us. She represents herself. She doesn't have anyone talking on her behalf. But she comes right in. I can imagine her going in and pounding on a table. I'm sure she didn't have that opportunity. But she cries to, for justice to the judge. And I'm sure for a woman in that day, that would have been unusual, maybe even impossible. But it doesn't stop her. She turns out to be bold and persistent because she knows that her cause is right. And 
We lose a little bit in the translation. The judge says that she'll wear me out with her ongoing assaults. It's actually a boxing term. It means she'll give me a black eye. So you have a vision of her coming in continually shouting at him. And if we put ourselves in the judge's position for a while, maybe we think, oh, no, not her again. I told you not to let her in. So what are we supposed to make of all this? Are we supposed to keep nagging at God until finally he gives in? No. Jesus clearly tells us that God is not like the judge at all. He's the very opposite of the God, in the, of the judge in the story. Whatever it might feel like, and that's the thing, sometimes it does feel as if God is ignoring us. There's a good reason why the Bible is full of cries of, How long, Lord? And we do lose heart. But it's at those times of great challenge and delayed prayer that we most need to pray. And could it be that the prayer itself gives us heart? That encounter with God changes us. That sometimes it's in the prayer itself that we truly discover who God is and what we need. We can be encouraged by the words of the prophet Isaiah. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each of them forth by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And so we hope in the Lord. We wait on him and trust him to give us strength. We say, yes, amen, come, your kingdom come. When we're persistent in crying out to God for a world which is not how we know it should be, we're agreeing with God. We're not trying to change his mind. Your kingdom come. When we face challenges as well as joy in life, we're not alone. God expects us to cry out to him. He longs for us to cry out to him, with him. But in that prayer, he meets us like he met with Jacob, and he changes us. And, and this is the more difficult one perhaps, he might just expect us to be the answer to our prayers and those of others. How determined are we in seeking justice and his kingdom? Enough to be an advocate for the poor and vulnerable, for that widow? Does our faith in God extend to believing in the same things that he believes in? 
Because that may well be where we see him most active. So is our faith in God always waiting on him, reaching out with him, seeking to grasp the kingdom that is so close? Faith that won't let go until God touches us and until we see the kingdom. Is that the faith that Jesus will find here?